In this week's episode of Farmer's Inside Track, Aquaculture 101. Fish farming or aquaculture is trending in Mzanzi and most of Africa right now. Find out everything you need to know to get started. Are Farini, the CEO and co-founder of Wallfarm, a hydroponics firm based in Rome, Italy, highlights some of the issues impacting the future of food production in this episode, he shares his solution on how we can produce food without soil. This week's hashtag Soil Sister, powered by Foodform Zanzi and Corteva AgriScience, is 52-year-old Talita Zondi. She runs a thriving mixed farming operation in Ranfontein, Gauteng, where she farms with cattle, pigs, crops and chickens. Approximately 240,000 chickens have been culled to curb the spread of the recent outbreak of avian flu on a Gauteng farm. To unpack the outbreak, we chat to Colin Steenhazen, the Interim Egg Board General Manager at the South African Poultry Association. Our book of the week, Land Matters, by advocate Tembeka Mukaitobi. The author reviews the state of land reform in South Africa. And our farmer tip of the week comes from Murena Kashane, who started his own aquaculture farm in Mahikeng in the northwest in 2017. There, Murena can be found farming passionately with tilapia. This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food from Zanzi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey, Mzanzi. Welcome to episode 73 of Food for Mzanzi's weekly podcast called Farmers Inside Track. I'm your host, Dawn Numdu, the editor for audience and engagement at Food for Mzanzi. And I'm Duncan Masua, and thanks for listening to South Africa's most downloaded farmers podcast. First up, fish farming or aquaculture is trending in Mzanzi and most of Africa right now. Journalist Nicole Ludolf chats to Thomas Keat director of Zini Fish Farm. This fish farmer believes tilapia is the protein of the future. Thomas Keat has years of experience in aquaculture, including four years of experience in his new venture, tilapia farming. So Tom, tell us, how did you get started in aquaculture? I was first introduced to the concept of aquaculture while I was a student, a chance encounter with a friend of a friend who had just enrolled in the agricultural sciences degree at Stellenbosch University, which focuses specifically on aquaculture. He described what it entailed to me and the idea just sounded, the idea of being outdoors, preferably near the ocean, which I love, and contributing to some form of sustainable development and food production. That idea sounded so much more appealing to me than what I was doing at the time, which was a finance degree. So thereafter, I enrolled in the same degree and used to work lots of holiday jobs in between studying and the rest is history. What are some of the things you need to get started in tilapia farming in terms of equipment and also knowledge? I would say learn as much as you can before you start. There's so much information nowadays out there. Aquaculture is such a diverse field and there's so many different facets to consider. In terms of the equipment one needs specifically for tilapia farming, you'd need suitable tanks for housing breeders or happenets. You would need egg incubators for hatching eggs. You would need tanks for rearing the babies in, graders. You would need specialized feed. 
that is small enough for the baby fish to consume. The list goes on and on. Do you have any tips for future farmers that want to enter the aquaculture space? A tip I'd have for future fish farmers would be after arming yourself with as much knowledge as you can get your hands on to try and get uh, some practical experience on any type of fish farm. This is a tricky thing to do in South Africa with such a small industry, but it's something that if you can pull off will sort of give you invaluable experience and insight into what fish farming entails and will hopefully stand you in good stead should you wish to start your own venture one day. Aure Farini, the CEO and co-founder of Wallfarm, a hydroponics firm based in Rome, Italy, highlights some of the issues impacting the future of food production. In this episode, he shares his solution on how we can produce food without soil. Up until 300 years ago, all of us had only one thought in our minds, farming. Farming was synonym of subsistence, and subsistence was synonym of surviving. There was no escape. Today, we are basically taking food production for granted. We do not correlate hunger with crops, fresh meals with good weather, and some of our children don't even correlate an egg with chickens. What if I tell you that our children in the next 30 years will need to handle the concept of farming for surviving? Some of you may know this man. Well, according to him, all of us here should have died of hunger. Thomas Malthus was considered one of the most important scientists in his century. Basically, he supposed that while the population grows like a parabola, the resources of the earth are limited and food production can only grow like a straight line. It means that the food available in 2000s is more or less the same quantity of the one available 100 years after. We are totally sure that Malthus was wrong, and the reason is that he did not consider a tiny little detail, innovation. Norman Burlot, in 1944, in Mexico, disrupted food production and began the Green Revolution. Thanks to his research, the same piece of land can guarantee a production more than 10 times higher than before. Nowadays, we can feed the major part of the world's population without being afraid of food shortages in the next years. That's why the sandwich that you bought for lunch did not ruin your finances. By 2050, will be 10 billion souls hanging around this little planet. But today, 80% of the lands available for farming are already in use. To get more, we cut our forests. And to keep our lands productive, we cannot avoid using chemicals and pesticides. The number one collateral effect of the Green Revolution, and also one of the main reasons for cancers and a lot of other diseases. If the population keeps growing like this, more than one billion people will have no access to food at all. We need a second Green Revolution. This will be one of the hardest challenges for humanity so far. But you know what? We can do it, thanks to vertical urban farmers. Forget about lands, pesticides, soil. In the future, all our lands will finally take a break. Thanks to vertical farming, our cities and our homes will look more like this. We'll be able to grow plants inside buildings in multiple stories. Do you know how many advantages there are to grow plants inside our homes? 
in our obsolete model of producing food in the countries and then moving it inside the cities, one tomato traveled 2,900 kilometers in average. With vertical farming, we cut pollution related to transport and have less emissions. Thanks for joining us, Ari Farini, CEO and co-founder of Wall Farm, a hydroponics firm based in Rome, Italy. On to other news here on Farmers Inside Track. Approximately 240,000 chickens have been culled to curb the spread of the recent outbreak of avian flu on a Gauteng farm. To unpack the outbreak, we chat to Colin Steenhuizen, Interim General Manager of the South African Poultry Association's Egg Board. Colin, what is the impact of the avian flu on the poultry industry? The impact that the AI outbreak has had is that we have had two reported cases. The one is on a 240,000 hen layer operation on the east rand of Johannesburg. That particular site has been culled. The birds have been slaughtered. The farm is being cleaned as we speak, sterilized as we speak. The second outbreak is on a broiler breeder farm in the northwest area. And as we speak there, the two houses there are being culled at the moment. That's a total, I understand, of 14,000 broiler breeder birds that are being culled. The first uh, diagnosis has been highly pathogenic avian influenza of the type H5N1, which is not the same type of HPAI, highly pathogenic avian influenza, that was diagnosed in the 2017 outbreak that we uh, experienced as South Africa. And how can farmers protect their chickens from the avian flu and contain the spread of the virus? There has been a protocol sent out, a biosecurity protocol sent out to the entire South African poultry industry, both broilers, layers and chick producers, which specifies measures that farmers can take. Just very briefly, farms have been placed on what's called high alert. There is no vehicles, no strange people, no animals allowed onto the farms. The farm workers are provided with personal protective equipment, PPEs, with masks, and they are showering into the facility. They leave their clothes, in other words, on one side of the shower, they shower in, and then they get given PPEs on the other side. And then they only go to a specific house on the farm to where they are designated to work. There are foot baths in place, for example, that contain antibiotics and antiseptics. There are measures that trucks arriving on the property to deliver feed are sprayed antiseptics and the truck drivers, in fact, are not allowed to get out of the trucks. The farm staff do all the setting up of the feed delivery on behalf of the truck drivers. If no one is buying eggs or poultry off those farms, the poultry have been destroyed or are being destroyed and the eggs are being retained and they will be sent to a pasteurization plant where they are pulped and turned into pasteurized egg pulp, or they will be sent to a powdering factory in bronchospray that will turn them into the powder. The secret of the whole process is that eggs or poultry, broiler poultry, are experienced temperatures over 60 degrees Celsius, the virus dies. So all consumers, for example, should be cooking eggs and broiler meat properly. They should be abiding by cooking protocols that endure higher temperatures than 60 degrees Celsius. And then finally, what is the avian flu and how is it spread? 
in South Africa, we are um, on the natural migratory routes of wild water birds primarily, and also yellow-billed kites and other birds that travel down from North Africa and, and indeed from Europe. Swallows, again, is another breed that comes down to South Africa. And as you know, they arrive in our spring and then they leave at the end of our summer or the beginning of autumn. And that is what we are experiencing now as, as our weather gets colder. So these birds depart South Africa on their natural migration routes back to Europe and to North Africa to the warmer climates. When their temperatures are reversed and they start getting colder up north, then they reverse and they come down back to South Africa to our warmer climates where they breed again. It is those birds that are natural carriers of the virus. They are not necessarily killed by the virus, but they do carry the virus. It is a virus that is transmitted from bird to bird or from feces of the birds or from a dead bird that is found for example, near a farm dam. Thanks for joining us. Colin Steenhuizen, Interim General Manager of the South African Poultry Association's Egg Board. Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring, and that's an ideal worth preserving. It's yummy. It's good for you. And the whole family loves it. It's grain-filled chickens, proudly South African and mouth-wateringly delicious. Discover a world of tasty goodness and visit Grain-Filled Chickens, the COZA, or like our Facebook page for more. Grain-Filled Chickens, a proud member of VKB. VKB, for the love of the land. Now for our book of the week, as chosen by our farmers, This week we flip through the pages of a book titled Land Matters by advocate Tembeka Ngukayotobi. The author reviews the state of land reform in South Africa. Now, in his own words, land reform should reconcile three issues. Correcting historical wrongs, confronting the persistent inequities of the present and securing an equality-based future. Caroline Sampson, Growbank's Executive for Strategy, Environment, Social and Governance Affairs, reviewed this book. In Land Matters, advocate Tembeka Nkaitoebe set out to review the state of land reform in South Africa. In his own words, land reform should reconcile three issues, correcting historical wrongs, confronting the persistent inequities of the present, and securing an equality-based future. The third section of the book focuses on the origins of property dispossession of black persons during both apartheid and colonial eras. The second section details the development of the African National Congress's position on property. As private property rights historically became associated with the franchise, this resulted in an ANC policy which aimed to expand private land ownership. A third section of the book provides an unflinching overview of progress with the land reform program since 1994, based on the key tenets of restitution, redistribution and tenure reform. While the complexity of the situation is acknowledged, shortcomings which relate to inefficiencies, corruption and bureaucracy are highlighted. A number of structural issues in the initial design of the land reform program are dissected, including limitations in determining land values, identifying suitable land and how the selection of beneficiaries have had very little impact on addressing poverty and largely excluded women from the process. The final section of the book deals with the matter of expropriation without compensation, in which it is argued that the current wording of Section 25 in the Constitution already allows for no compensation. If you want to understand the historical context of land dispossession or make constructive arguments in debates on land reform, this book is essential reading. Thanks, Carolyn Sampson.
Remember, you can email info at foodformzanzi.co.za if you want to suggest the next book of the week. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. You're tuned into Farmers Inside Track, proudly brought to you by Foodform Zanzi. Powered by Corteva AgriScience, we are now introducing you to an extraordinary woman farmer participating in a year-long blended development program at the Gibbs Business School. This week, we meet 52-year-old Talita Zondi. She runs a thriving mixed farming operation in Ranfontein, Gauteng, where she farms with cattle, pigs, crops, and chickens. Do you have any advice to other women entering the farming arena? Once you have that in you, do not wait to have, you know, larger resources, larger lands, lots of money. You start a size of a garden of a door size can fit four people. You can plant four different vegetables in that size of a garden. So there's nothing that makes you not to start. Remember what makes you a farmer is the passion that is burning inside of you. It's not the resources. The resources are there to take you to higher levels. So a packet of a vegetable seed costs around 30 rand. So it means you can start immediately. So never be discouraged by looking at what others have, but be encouraged by what you have inside of you. Remember, farming is a journey. And it's not a get-rich-quick scheme. Therefore, you will need to persevere. You will meet so many challenges. But remember, the season next year, it's a new season that gives you another new opportunity to do it again should you have not done it properly in the first place. Most important thing is to find a market. Once you are intending to sell whatever produce, don't plant something because you like it plant what the market requires because you'll end up having nice vegetables in your land but if that is not what people require remember the lifespan of those vegetables is very minimal therefore to look for a market when the vegetables are ready or your produce is ready it's not going to help you so look at the market what is the market who is your target market before you even start planting don't go with what your heart or what you like but go with what your market is needing out there look for the market start as small as you can start as small as possible and always always plant what the market requires thanks so much for joining us mixed farmer talita zondi Thanks, Talita Zondi. I can't wait to hear who's next on our Soil Sisters campaign, powered by Corteva AgriScience. Remember to stay tuned for our Farmer's Tip of the Week from Tilapia Farmer, Morena Kashane. But first, on a lighter note, Nolitanda Ngakani, Food from Zanzi's Lifestyle Queen, 
joins us to share her secret to the perfect South African home-cooked meal. And for her, that's cheese. My secret ingredient to the perfect South African home-cooked meal is cheese. Yes, cheese, Msanzi. Of all the amazing dairy products in the world, I think cheese trumps all. I mean, just think of all the foods that would simply cease to exist without cheese. Pizza, papdert, cheese curls. Cheese 110% makes any food better. I do love me a three cheese sauce on any pasta dish. A bold head of cheddar with a gooey mozzarella and sharp pungent blue cheese is definitely a hit on any table for me. Be sure to check out our weekly interviews and recipes with inspiring chefs, foodies and home cooks on foodformzanzi.co.za. Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring and that's an ideal worth preserving. It's super fresh, it's super soft, and it makes any meal a treat. It's super sure bread and super sure flour. A proud member of the VKB Group. From breakfast to lunch and even birthday cakes, Super Sure makes the whole family smile. Find Super Sure on Facebook or visit vkb.co.za for more info. VKB, for the love of the land. We've just about reached the end of this week's Farmers Inside Track episode. But before we let you go, our Farmers Tip of the Week comes from Murena Kashane. He started his own aquaculture farm in Mahikeng in the Northwest in 2017, where he farms with tilapia. Keep taking part in fish farming. First thing, you must have adequate skin. If you don't have, you can go out and go buy skins. Second thing, aquaculture is a long-term investment. It's challenging, hanging there, and just And my good farmer friend Morena Kashane's Farmer Tip of the Week brings us to the end of this week's Farmer's Inside Track, proudly brought to you by Food for Mzanzi. For daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists to go above and beyond to feed South Africa, visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za. It's www.foodformzanzi.co.za. Or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Yes, of course. And remember, if you love the podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members and fellow farmers. The Farmers Inside Track is available for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And of course, not forgetting foodformzanzi.co.za. From me, Don Numdu, Duncan Masiwa, Nicole Ludolf, Nolutan Nungakani, Carolyn Sampson and the rest of the Food for Mzanzi team have a great week. And please, let's continue to keep each other safe during the COVID-19 pandemic. What joins a continent but its continuous flow over mountains, through rivers, in the rhythm of the land? What ignites its future? but the promise to fulfill, to protect and grow the very life of tomorrow. This is why we do what we do under the African blue. Corteva. Keep growing. You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Food Form Zanzi. For more information, find us on www. 
www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za